What is going on, DC? This is Move the District, hosted by yours truly, Mike Yassin. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a physical therapist, and this podcast is dedicated to highlighting members of the Washington, DC health and fitness community and giving you the correct information with no BS to help you live a life that's active, healthy, and fulfilled. All right. Welcome back to episode 22 of Move the District, episode 22. Exciting stuff. Today, I got a uh, special episode for everyone who's listening at home. Uh, He is a yoga instructor, fellow Lululemon ambassador. Shout out to Lululemon. Uh, He uh, created, he's a founder of Vibras Vinyasa and Tan the Mat. Please welcome to the show, Alex Montez. Alex, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm always excited when I have someone who isn't necessarily a full-time fitness professional. I think most of the people that we you know, tend to have on the show here, that fitness is, is their life and it you know, consumes everything. But you, I mean, you, you know, have a full-time job as an ad executive and, uh, and then you, you, know, you teach uh, yoga on, on the side. And I think that's always, it's always interesting because it tends to be a little bit more of a uh, passion project more I think than just like you're just do- you're in there all the time with it yeah it's interesting and I and not to discredit people who do it full-time because no, of course do this full-time you know like there's a lot of passion that goes into that especially when you know there's a lot of social clout that might come with this but then there's a lot of other struggles that we don't see um, for a lot of people who do this full-time so definitely want to acknowledge that I think for me it's that I think it's two things one um, there's never one thing in life that's going to fulfill you completely right so there's never going to be one job that gives you everything you want from life, right? Um, there's never going to be one thing. So you need multiple things. And then also, um, it's just another outlet. You know, I get a lot of stuff from my, my, my actual full-time job. I'm able to connect dots. You know, when I first started teaching, it got me confident to speak publicly in front of people, um, which, you know, helped me at work a lot. It's another creative outlet. It's a way to relieve stress, tap into a different part of my brain. So that there's definitely an element of, of that there for me. And I think also it's fun. I think from every time I've done anything with teaching, I want to make sure like, is this still fun? Because like, if it's not fun for me, it's going to have a negative impact on the students. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think that kind of goes into, you know, your job as well. Like, are you enjoying what you're actually doing? And like, is this actually filling? Whereas, you know, um, you know, if you're just sitting there miserable all day and, and, you know, like, what am I, what am I doing with my life here? There needs to be, you know, a change needs to happen. Exactly. Exactly. So no, yeah, definitely for sure. I mean, I think that's what I'm grateful for too, is that I actually like my full-time job and I don't want to quit that full-time, quit that, but I also like what I do here. And it's like, there you go. there's no blueprint for how we're supposed to do this. A lot of these rules as we're seeing now are made up. So it's like, if there's a way to keep doing both as long as possible, why not? Yeah. The, the traditional uh, ro- rules about having uh, jobs these days, I think are uh, completely thrown out. I mean, I think now you, know, you see some people with side hustles and I, I love like, uh, you know, hearing stories now about, you know, the innovation that kind of comes out of these like time periods, like I know, like, looking back to like, the, uh, the recession, you know, several years ago, like, you know, companies like Uber got started and, uh, and, and Snapchat and, and, you know, big, you know, big, you know, those are, you know, big corporations now, but you know, the innovation that comes out of these time periods, I think is always an interesting thing to see. Yeah, most definitely for sure. I mean, it's funny when there's, I don't know the exact stats, but they always say recessions are great times to start businesses. Um, and it's funny because a recession, you have a lot of businesses that people thought were really valuable. They lose a lot of their value. Right. And sometimes that's what starts a recession. 
And so that creates an opportunity that exposes where a lot of the real voids are, what are the actual pockets of value that need to be created, where is there value that's been overlooked or neglected. And I think that creates a lot of opportunity for people. Yeah, I mean, I think you're seeing it in the in the fitness world right now is, you know, people who were trainers, coaches at, you know, large corporate global gyms or, or studios are now, you know, being forced to, you know, make a name for themselves and, and you know, go out there and hustle and create. And, and as a result, you know, I think you're seeing people, you know, go to gyms or go to classes to be with that trainer, to be with that coach. And, and I think you're seeing the development of these new programs, new, you know, routines, things, things that are definitely innovative in the fitness industry, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, fitness is really interesting, especially like everyone had to do at home fitness, people had to pivot really quickly. And it's funny, there was this podcast I listened to called Business Casual. And they had the founder of the mirror on there, which recently oh. Lululemon purchased. Yep. And she was talking about at home fitness before the pandemic and how like, there's nothing that caters to like customize like needs for what people want. Like there's nothing on that. There's been workout videos for years, right? But in terms of like a unique experience that hasn't existed before, but the mirror is really expensive. Right. But now with everyone doing all these different things on zoom, you can kind of curate a unique workout schedule. If you're still doing zoom workouts, cause I know the summer came and no one wanted to be on zoom anymore. Right. But there was a time where if there's instructors that you wanted to take from another part of the country that you weren't able to ever see, you could do a class with them, whether that was yoga, something else, or if you normally do one type of workout, is a really accessible way to try something from the comfort of your own home, um, which is really interesting. So it's funny, like, even though I was uncomfortable doing it at first, there were a lot of different opportunities that came of it. And it was cool to say, I, it, it was, sometimes it was a little overwhelming to see everyone, like, throwing everything on Zoom. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, we got to pause. <laughs> like, let's just accept the, let's lean into the pause. Lean into Zoom the fatigue is, uh, is real. Yeah, there's like, it's like, let's lean into the stillness and just like be present. But at the same time, it was really cool to see how people were getting creative with, with what they were doing. And like, it's, it's funny. One of my friends would always joke, he's like, Alex, you don't need a yoga studio. You don't need this. You don't need that. But like a lot of the stuff that you might've relied on a big box gym for, it's a few extra hours a week. You set up your Zoom password to send your emails out to do your thing. And like, you kind of can own the experience to your liking. I mean, I think about like, Marcus Lowe from Cut7, who does RDY Fitness or Ready Fitness, and he basically created an online fitness platform yeah. um, for people to use that came out of the pandemic. You know, we're looking at like Sunny May and what she's doing with like Hustle at the Wharf. Like, absolutely. You know, you know, just taking initiative and just creating something. And it's like she was kind of doing that for someone else, but now she's able to curate it and make it her own. Um, exactly. And really do it in a way that's unique and authentic to her. And like, there's still value in the platforms if you're not like, if you want to focus on just the class and just the programming, the fitness, but if you've got other parts of your brain, you want to work into this, it's been a great opportunity for a lot of people. It's like that, uh, that technician mindset that I don't know if you ever read like the E-Myth um, where they talk about the technician mindset versus like manager versus like the owner mindset and technicians, like you just want to, you know, focus on, on teaching. And, right. and, and that's, you know, and that's, you know, if, if people want that kind of, uh, you know, experience there's nothing nothing wrong with it you know i've seen it in the physical therapy world where people just want to treat you know they don't want right. to manage they don't want to own and, and for me you know it was like i want to i want to do more i know that i can help people one-on-one -on -one, sure but if i manage if i own then i can you know hire more people who are like me and ultimately affect more change in the long run yeah that reminds me of a conversation i had with someone at my my job today he's our chief client officer for north america we were talking and he was like and usually when you hear a lot of people in the corporate or like work environments, like you don't want to manage people. It's the worst thing. It sucks. It sucks. And he was like, what I love about managing people is that like, 
I'm one person as an individual contributor, I can only do so much. But he's like, if I have a team of like five, 10 people, I can do tenfold and we could really work towards a mission and work together to create something. And I was like, finally. And like what you said just then and there, right? Yeah. That, 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 um, that resonated there because it's the same thing, right? When you kind of can, can build something, you get people willing to help you. You can do a lot of really cool things um, versus what you're doing on your own by yourself. Exactly. You could only, you could only do so much by yourself when you're just like burning the candle at both ends. And then, you know, we just hired Zoe, uh, our, our new physical therapist. And, you know, it's been great to like, just take, you know, things off my plate, let her start seeing people. And as a result, we're doing, uh, you know, almost twice as much uh, visits than what we were doing when I was here, you know, three months ago. And, uh, and yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it's, it's allowed us to, you know, grow our scope of things so that, you know, we can ultimately, like I said, ultimately affect more change and help more people because that's why we got into this in the first place. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was really cool, you know, back in like April, you would open up Instagram and then be like 15 Instagram lives going on. (laughs) And you're like, which one do I choose? It was the wild west. It was like, oh my gosh. I think it's interesting is, and this is a different, but I think before when people thought about like doing Instagram live, I know for VBest, like me and my friend started that together, Danny and Yell, and he, we were thinking about like, what do we do for our experience? We kind of just took a pause. But one thing he did is he kept making these mixes, like these DJ mixes live. And he was like, do you think people are going to come? I'm like, who cares? You know, like we're doing this for us. And like, we're putting this out there. And the 20 people that rock with us are the 20 people that rock with us. And I think people forget that, you know, like they want a zoom of like a thousand people or not a zoom maybe, but you want a lot of people on your Instagram live, but you feel like you need to look like you have a lot of people participating for it to matter. But think about a regular fitness class, right? Mm-hmm. 10, 12 people. That's normal. Right. right? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't need think... 30, 50, 60 people. And then like, also it's the internet. Like what the cool thing is you don't need a huge audience anymore. You need, you can get, you have the opportunity to build an engaged audience, right? Like what's more valuable, like 20 people who come every so often or like the five, 10 people that rock with you every single time and that are going to be consistent and be there with you and help you grow. Exactly. Exactly. You don't, yeah. You, you want, you know, the people that are going to be loyal to you through thick and thin, no matter what, those are the people that, you know, are going to be with you forever versus, you know, you might get a hundred people on a stream, you know, one time, but like, who are they? What are they? And I think that's the value of like having your niche. And I think, you know, I think that's the interesting thing about all the different fitness, you know, options I'll say here in DC is like, you know, there's so many of them that like, you're bound to find something that works for you, you know? Yeah. Um, no, go, go, ahead. Ahead. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say fitness is interesting because I spent a lot of time thinking about like I work in business, right? So like mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time thinking about the business of fitness and it's not, a, when I think about industries where people do really well for themselves, they do it before the market is mature. So look at like hip hop early on, like eighties to like, maybe like, I want to say almost like 2000. And even then it was starting to get a little thin, but like right there, like a ton of people got rich. And they weren't even the rappers or the producers. There was someone that managed the tour. Someone was helping design the clothes. Someone was doing the video stuff. Someone was an intern here. Someone found a niche there. And it's like, there were so many opportunities that were being created. And I think about like boutique fitness and it's like, it's not mature at all. And it's like, there's so much room for everybody to win. Like you can have like three, four different types of studios that do similar things, but they have their own unique niche and they cater to a different type of of athlete and so i think that's an awesome thing about fitness and i think sometimes oh this is always the case but sometimes it's really easy to be like why are they doing this person's class over here and not mine 
but it's like there's room for everybody to win and like there's also a lot of room to like collaborate and complement each other with the different things we're doing you know um and so i think that's really interesting not only just from like the consumer's perspective but also from like the business perspective or like each fitness um group right there's different types of things there's ways to collaborate there's ways to work together and like i don't know i think there's a lot of opportunity and there's there's no need to really be competing in a cutthroat way for it at all yeah i think it's that that growth mindset i feel like i talk about this in every episode uh, that growth mindset of, of, you know, we ultimately, if we work together, you know, everybody wins. And there's, it's funny in, in the physical therapy world, there was, a, there was a study done with like a thousand people with lower back pain that went to go see their primary care provider. And, you know, out of that like thousand people, what percent do you think got referred to physical therapy as the initial treatment? If you had to guess a percent. Guess zero, five? 7%. Okay, was it for 7%, um, you know, got referred to physical therapy. The other 93% got opioids. They were told to rest. They were given some like basic low-level exercises. They were sent, you know, for imaging or, or to an orthopedist or something. But 7% got referred to physical therapy, even though there's, you know, enough, there's enough data out there to make your head spin about the effectiveness, effectiveness of physical therapy, how it makes everybody save money. Uh, you know, reduces, you know, the need for surgery, blah, 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 I can go on forever, you know, 93% were out there just in la la land, just doing like whatever. And, you know, that 7% that's getting those physician referrals, those are all your big, you know, corporate PT change your hospital systems, they're getting that 7% of referrals. So for me, and you know, the other little guys that are in the DC area now, like, why are we going to go out there and, and bust our ass, you know, for that 7% when there's 93% of the people out there with lower back pain, that you know, are just, you know, sitting on their ass thinking they can't ever work out again. They can't ever go for a run again. Right. And it's like, I'm going to go after that 93%. And, and there's, exactly. you know, more than enough for me to share and my other friends to share. And, you know, we all win. And then as a result, if we all win, every, you know, and, and everybody who has back pain wins, then like, that's how we move the needle forward with healthcare in our country. Exactly. For sure. I think that's one thing people forget is that, you know, there's always like a little bit of lift from the category, right? It's like, you want to stand apart, you know, you want to make sure that what you're doing is unique and offering that you're actually adding value. Um, obviously, for your, if you're in, you know, running this from a revenue perspective with like a fitness business, you want to make sure that you stand out, right? At the same time, it's also like that rising tide can lift all boats. So it's like, how do you stand by, but also how do you do things to help the category move forward? Because if it does, that is definitely a win-win situation. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, you want to, you know, make sure that you're, you know, you are actually helping people and, and not just, you know, saying you are. And, and <laughs> as you know, and, and I think, you know, ultimately, yeah, that's what's gonna, you know, help, you know, get people, you know, more aware. Cause I think there's so, there's, you know, there's so many things out there, you know, in terms of, you know, narratives, you know, whether, you know, just talking about lower back pain that like people are just out there just, you know, thinking, oh, I can't ever bend over again. I can't ever move again. I can't, you know, exercise and I'm just gonna have to suffer with pain, whatever. And, uh, you know, if we can, you know, clear up those narratives and, and, you know, show people that they are strong and resilient, then like, you know, that's great. And it's the same thing for like in the fitness world where, you know, um, you might go to, you know, a CrossFit class and you're like, whoa, barbells. I don't think so, man. Or you might go to, you know, an Orange Theory class and there's treadmills and you're like, ah, I'm not a runner, you know? And, uh, and, and, you know, you, you find that spot for you uh, eventually. I think that's the, you know, the big thing. Yeah, it reminds me of something. It's kind of funny that with what you're saying, because I've done PT a few times, like, 
and this like, we were talking before this, I said, I think we've just over-engineered a lot of things. I think sometimes we forget that the human body is a living thing. Okay. Like, you know, like, the, like in the workplace, people say it's a living document that you update, it could change, it's meant to update. Like, your body is a living thing. And oh, like, you your me. body, it changes over time. Like, it fluctuates. It's not supposed to be etched in stone, right? And I also think we forget or underestimate our body's ability to recover and heal. And I think that's a huge thing. And I think, I mean, I see it with like yoga, right? You have people mm-hmm. who are like, I don't do yoga. I don't do yoga. And I'm like, I've been teaching for a certain number of times. Do you think that I was able to do this out of nowhere? Like I was a big beginner at this too. My body evolved and adapted. And there's some things that, that were really easy to do a few years ago. I'm like, I haven't been doing as much yoga and they're not now. And it's like, that's okay. This is where I'm at. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I want people to take away in fitness is that your body is a living, breathing thing like it's literally living it's going to change it's going to evolve it's going to adapt and like you can move with that rather than yeah. trying to resist it to attain something that is not realistic you know it's, it's one of those things that i i try and tell everybody that comes in here is that pain is a normal part of the human experience you know at the end of the day it's an evolutionary mechanism you know it's why we don't play in fire like our cavemen ancestors you know we've learned not to play in fire. We learn, you know, not to put your hand on a hot stove because it's going to fucking hurt. So, uh, you know, pain is a normal part of the human process. Now, is it something that we should have to deal with on a daily basis? No, but pain, you know, is good. It shows us we're alive. And, um, and you know, so it's like telling people, you know, don't be afraid, you know, if your back hurts or if your shoulder hurts or your knee hurts, that's okay. It's okay that it hurts. Um, you know, and sometimes it's, it's showing you like, hey, like, you know, it's, it's like when you put your hand on a hot stove, you pull your, your hand away because that's your, your brain going, hey, stupid, don't put your hand on the hot stove. Just like maybe, for example, you know, your, your back is detecting a threat when you, or your, your brain is detecting a threat when you, you bend over to pick something up off the ground and it's sending that pain message to your, your lower back. And they're saying, you know, it's saying, hey, stupid, don't bend over right now. And, you know, our job is to be like, hey, let's, you know, desensitize that message and so that show your brain that hey it is okay to bend over it is okay to move your spine and and that's where physical therapy comes in but i think a big part of it is like yeah like there's this idea of like you know there's like this very you know uh very biomechanical approach to like everything in in like the healthcare world it's like oh like your back hurts must be a herniated disc or shoulder hurts must be a torn right herniated disc it's always got to be something biomechanical and there's this other treatment model out there called the biopsychosocial model that focuses on, you know, not just the biomechanical approach, but also the psychosocial manner of things. Because I think what we've found is that pain isn't just um, something that comes from like tissue damage. It's a, you know, unique experience that like takes into account, yes, biomechanical factors, but also, you know, psychosocial things like your stress level, your diet your personal family cultural beliefs about pain uh you know all these you know prior prior injury history have you been here before like it takes all those things into account and and uh you know then it like sends this message of pain from your brain down to that body part and and that's the really interesting thing there's a great ted talk uh by this pain scientist Lorimer mosley it's called why why we hurt and and it goes into in in depth about this about like it's not just like oh i you know, tore my meniscus or tore my ACL. Uh, you, Cause you'll see guys, you know, football players tear their ACL and they go back in the game, you know, like, <laughs> right. Like how does that happen? Or, or, you know, on the other hand, you'll see people, you know, amputees who have like phantom limb pain and it's like, well, right. they don't have a hand. Why does their hand hurt? Right. You know, that's not a biomechanical thing. That's the psychosocial yeah. thing. 
So, um, yeah, I think in terms of like engineered, like, yeah, like, you know, there, there's such a focus on like all the gadgets, high tech gadgets and, and, you know, what's the latest, you know, what's the best way to recover and the Theragun and Hypervolt and, and, and cryo. And then, you know, there's Easton and dry needling. It's like, no, at the end of the day, what we do as physical therapists is calm shit down and build shit up. That's it. Yeah. It's like in, in the simplest matter, your back hurts, we're going to calm it down and then we're going to build it up. And no like amount of like ultrasound or e-stim or you know theragun is ultimately going to get that long-term outcome that we want you know without getting you to move yeah no it's true i mean it's interesting because i feel like a lot of times this is just in general right we look for easy silver bullet answers or solutions that are going to be the one all be all and really and i think it's like either in like philosophies or things it's like people just want the one thing and it's like well, like, what if you look at these things as tools, right? Like, and I'm not a physical therapist, so you can tell better than I can, but there's like, there's dry needling, there's yeah. like, there's your stretches, there's the foam roller, there's this, there's that. And they're all different tools. And so it's like, is the tool right for the problem? And maybe you might use more than one tool together. So right. I think we, we do forget that. And it's interesting. It's like, what are the different tools you use to get to where you're trying to go and, and to get the, the, the accomplishment? And sometimes people take it personally when you have some of the things that you're saying because they're like, what are you talking about? Like this gun or this thing, this thing, it saved me forever. And it's like, no one said it's bad, but it's not going to be the solution for every single person's body for every single issue. Right. Right. And it's like, that's like in our, in our profession, like uh, dry needling is like that thing where it's like, Oh, a lot of times there's this narrative that it is like the silver bullet that, Oh, dry needling is going to save me. Dry needling is going to fix you. This is exactly what you need. And like, it does help a lot. You know, it's definitely a, a useful tool. But it is this like narrative that it's like, that's all you need. And it's like, yeah. you know, there has to be this like follow up. It's like, yes, dry needling will help alleviate your pain. But what's going to help it come, you know, not come back is you doing these exercises. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I've done it a few times. And each time I've been like, I don't want this to be a bandaid solution. Like, right. Because it's painful. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've had it done on myself. I, I don't actually do it. Uh, Zoe does it. And then I've had it done on myself a few times. Yeah, no, it can be, uh, it can be intense. I always describe it as like weird. Uh, cause like some people will be like, give me more needles. And then other people will be like, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> the way I describe it, you know, like when you watch like the Hulk or some of these superhero movies and the way they became a superhero is because they had a bunch of things hooked up to their bodies and they're on an experiment at the table and they're like shaking and flipping off the table. Right. That's what dry needing felt like in one part of my leg. But afterwards I was like, whoa, this works. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, my homework. You'll get off the table and like your like your your calf will be like just yeah. You'll feel like it's just like fifteen times the size, and you'll walk around with like a limp all day, and then you're like, oh, this actually feels better now. Yeah. Exactly. But I still had to do my homework, so I mean, I de- it definitely can work, but it depends on you know, it's not the one thing I'll rely on right. to fix the problem. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Let's talk a little bit more about yoga. Yeah. Uh, so. Give me a little background here on, on how you got into it. Where, where did you first start doing it? So first time um, I went to yoga class, I think I was like 12 years old, like I was in sixth grade. My mom took me, she was super into it. And this is like before Lululemon was a thing. Everyone did like mom and pop studios. And I don't remember the class, but I remember falling asleep at the end, like during Shavasana. And that five minutes was like better than any night of rest that I'd gotten in a long time. And I was like, what? Why is that? <laughs> So I, was, I didn't really remember doing it again afterwards, but I always had a positive impression about it. 
Um, I did it in college for a class one semester my freshman year before um, we had afternoon swim practice because I swam for two years. Okay. And it was good. Like I got like a fake afternoon nap before our second practice of the day once a week. Um, I thought it helped with like stretching and whatnot. Um, so I liked it. And then I went back to the studio in Georgetown called Down Dog, like after my sophomore year. And I went to one class with people that were doing the summer program I was in. And I was in the back of the class and at free sauce and you hear like this thumping sound against the wall. And what it was is I was really sweaty and I had no balance. So I kept falling over and hitting the wall. I didn't know what I was doing. I don't remember a single pose we did, but I felt great afterwards and I was drenched in sweat. Wow. Um, fast forward a few years, I was looking to bring some yoga back into my workout routine. And then um, one of my friends found core power and she's like, oh yeah, they have this cool class called Scope, which is like yoga with weights. I was like, all right, I'll try it. And I liked it. And I was like, so what do I want to do if I want to keep coming back? And they had this program where you clean for two hours a week and you got free yoga. And I was like, I don't have time. I don't have money, but I've got some time. <laughs> so I did that. And then after a while, um, they were doing teacher training in like 10 months. And I was like, well, thinking about it, my mom was like, Alex, you should do it. You would have thought my, I was told my mom that I was going to law school. Like, imagine you're telling like a Caribbean immigrant parent that you're going to law school. That's how excited she got when I was like, I'm thinking about doing yoga teacher training. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. And I'm like, I signed up the day of, I came like five minutes late and then it was cool. I liked it. I enjoyed it. And I was like, all right, I'll teach once a week. And I, it's been like, what, five years now. So yeah. There you go. That's awesome. Uh, and so now you, you taught at core power and then did you, are you still affiliate with them at all? Or, or did you stop? No, not anymore. I stopped teaching there last, around a little bit like last August, I stopped teaching there, which was nice. I took a break from teaching for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it was just like, I was doing Viva Seminas with my friends, which is like a sculpt class to a live DJ. Um, and it's mostly like Latin Caribbean, like diaspora music, which is awesome. And that's what we like. Um, and then occasionally I would do a class here and there and then cut seven. I did it a little bit there. I think they were testing out what yoga could look like as part of their experience. So we did right. that as a little bit of a test. Um, and then this year I wasn't really teaching too much. And then I COVID started and now I'm teaching every Sunday. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I think, you know, yoga is, is interesting because I think, you know, you touched on a little bit, like, it's like, oh, like, let me get a little bit of stretching into my workout program. Let me just add it into my program. And I, I think, you know, I, I think I, I read a, uh, a blog article you did uh, where you talked about, like, how much more yoga is to you than just, like, stretching. Yeah. I mean, it's so much more. I think it gets the reputation for stretching, but there's so much more that comes with it, right? So, body awareness is a huge thing, right? I think one of the things I like to say about yoga is like, usually people go to yoga and they're like, oh, I want more peace, I want more calm, or I want more flexibility, or I want more of this. And then really what you learn is how to take the body that you have and like how to build on that and to do different things with it, right? Yeah. Um, so a simple thing is like maybe like a crow pose and inversion where you're on your hands and you're your knees are like right on your forearms or not, not your forearm, like your triceps, or your elbows, like like that, like crow pose, right? Like any, like, it's just learning how to leverage your strength differently. How do you, what is it like when you shift weight out of your feet into your hands and how do you use your core to support you and how do you use your breath to help you find stability? Right. Um, so I think it's another piece of it. I think core strength is huge for a lot of people who do other workouts. I think it, it's definitely a great way to build core and awareness of where you are engaging your core and how it helps and all the different things it supports. I think the breathing aspect is huge. Um, I mean, I started going to cut seven a lot, which is like crazy, like hit workouts, right? Yeah, you're a big cut seven um, guy. Yeah, sports conditioning, right? But I think a lot of, I was strong there where I had a strong foundation because of the yoga. 
Mm-hmm. Simple things like breathing when you're lifting weights, knowing when to like exhale on an exertion, inhale as you're coming in, right? Things like that to help you stay focused or help your mindset. So there are a lot of be- benefits to it. I think it gets reduced to stretching a lot or people like, I can't touch my toes. And it's like, you don't need to touch your toes to do right. yoga. You just need to like breathe and try it. So um, in terms of physical benefits, stretching and flexibility, definitely one. But I think body awareness definitely helps. And I think also like just things like with balance is really important, core engagement. Um, and then the breathing is a huge piece. Yeah, I think uh, it's one of those things where we always tend to avoid the things that we suck at you know, and, yeah. and do the things we're good yeah. at. So, you know, the people, you know, who, who tend not to be flexible and, and mobile, you know, tend to stay away. And the people who tend to be more on the hypermobile side tend end up, you know, going more towards the yoga side. What would you say to those people who aren't as flexible? Well, it's not more just flexibility, right? There's ways to build strength and you're building strength in another way. Um, and I think also it's like, think about what do you do when you want to get strong, right? The typical thing is you lift weights or you do that, right? So if you want to get more flexible, do more yoga, just try it, right? Um, I, I think that's one piece. And the other thing to recognize is that, you know, people think you need to be flexible to do yoga when there's really a lot of ways to modify yoga to fit your body. Um, and like, I'm not talking like, like size or anything, but for example, like if your hamstrings are really tight and touching the toes with straight legs doesn't come naturally for you, put a bend in your knees, right? Grab a block and you touch the block and it's the same motion. There's a way to adapt it um, and make it right for you. And I think that should be the goal for a yoga instructor is how do I make sure that someone can get into this pose um, versus trying to tell someone that they need to reach a certain aesthetic or a certain like look for a pose because everyone's body is different and, and works differently. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, yeah, there's that like, oh, well, I don't look like a yogi, you know? And like, like what does that, you know, what does that even mean? <laughs> I mean, I could tell you what I thought it meant when I said I didn't look like a yogi because for a long time I would joke that I was the worst yogi ever. I didn't, the first pair of Lululemon shorts I bought is because I left my Nike shorts that were way too big for me to be doing yoga. Like I left them at home by accident and I bought shorts of core power. Like, so like, and then I honestly, for a long time, I think now it's changed, thankfully. Like a guy mm-hmm. doing yoga is not as weird now. A black guy doing yoga isn't as weird now. But like when I first started doing it, people were like, you do yoga and I'm like yeah what like I mean obviously I knew why but <laughs> yeah, like, problem. there's that whole element. exactly but when you think about who it's marketed to it's typically marketed to like athletic looking more slender like white women usually yeah. more so than anyone else when really there are a ton of people who could benefit from yoga and it's like you just need a body to do yoga absolutely you know it's one of those things you know I like to say is like if you have a body you're an athlete and it's kind of like if you exactly. have a body you're a yogi exactly I think yeah and I mean granted there's like the cultural notions of what that means in India, right? So I'm like, I try to be respectful of that, but if you have a body, you can do and and try it out, you know? Move the District is sponsored by Big League Performance and Rehab. At Big League Performance and Rehab, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active during the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better. Head to bigleagueperformanceandrehab.com to see how we can help you stay active for life. Um, it's, it's funny you said that about the Lululemon shorts because that's exactly what happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I went to teach a workshop at the Lululemon in Georgetown. And at the time, I didn't really own any Lululemon gear. And I was like, oh, I had like a t-shirt. So I was like, let me wear the t-shirt. And I had like a pair of sweatpants. Didn't really have like a Nike logo on it, but they're Nike sweatpants. And I show up and they're like, we're going to uh, gift you these shorts because you need to wear these if you're going to teach here. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. 
that's the insight though right that's that's the insight is that it's funny lululemon is known as a women's brand but mm -hmm. the the best kept secret is the men's clothes oh god not even close um, man not even and close the ins and the insight is that most men end up wearing lululemon by accident yeah rather than actively going and seeking it like the marketing for a long time wasn't geared towards men yoga the the, the sport i guess or the activity that lululemon is associated with was not is not affiliated with men and so i think um so, so it's interesting that, that that's how a lot of men fall into it, which makes sense like with, with the different discounts and incentives they give. But it's like once men try it out and they wear the shorts, they're like, whoa. Right, <laughs> exactly. The, the, uh, the underwear, that was a big thing for me. Oh, my God. The men's underwear. <sighs> Woo, let me tell you. <laughs> I fully transitioned my underwear to lemon. It was a process, but I was just like, it was, it was worth it. It's the most, it's, it's so comfortable. It, yeah. It was unbelievable. And I don't know. I mean, now you, you don't have to go into the office or anything. So I imagine like the, uh, the dress because for me, like the dress pants were like such a big oh, shift. Yeah. Um, like, cause I had, you know, when I was at my, you know, when I was in PT school doing my uh, rotations and then in my first job, I wore what was considered the uh, traditional PT uniform, which is basically polo and khakis. So, you know, I would go in with a polo or dry fit polo, something like that. And then you'd wear like J crew, like chinos. And I'm trying to show somebody how to do a squat or a deadlift in chinos. It's just waiting for my pants to rip, you know, just, you're just waiting yeah. for it to happen. And then I finally like discovered the Lululemon pants. And I was like, Oh, I can, I can move in these. Yeah. It took me a while to get used to those, but then like I wore them, I found out that like in Miami, they're really great instead of jeans when it's like super hot because yeah. they're so much more breathable. But like working from home every day, what I call it, business casual cozy. I swear I wear Lululemon shorts every day, <laughs> wearing some type of Lululemon jogger, some type of Lululemon top, and I'm extremely comfortable. Yeah, that's the uh, the benefits of of you know having your own business is you can wear whatever you want. And and yeah, so I yeah so so once I it, it was one of those things where as I like was going through the early stages of my my career as PT. I really came to resent that traditional PT outfit because it represented basically just like what I think is like everything that's wrong with like the PT industry in terms of just like being so like old stiff. school and, and traditional and stiff. That's a really good way to put it. And, uh, and, and even like with those Lululemon pants, I was like putting them on in the morning and just like a little bit. And I would like tuck my polo into my shorts and just like a little bit of me would like die every morning. And I was like, this sucks. And, and then I'll never, then the last day I, I worked at my old job at a clinic up in Friendship Heights, I was like, I'm done with these. I'm done. And, and recently it's been, uh, it's been two years since I quit that job. And awesome. I would say it's probably been, I probably have worn those Lululemon pants less than 10 times since. That's so funny. I just have like this, <laughs> I, they're, they're sitting in my drawer. I, I look at them. I know they're comfy. I love them. And I've, I've worn them a handful of times. I'm just like, I'm like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to do it yeah. yet. Oh, I'll wear like that. the ABC joggers, but like the ABC pants. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, I and get that. It's, it's like a relic of an old life. And I, 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 I got you. You're trying to move in a new direction. So I get it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and t going back to what you were saying before about, you know, who the typical person is that does, does yoga. Let's talk a little bit more about, um, you know, those initiatives you started with like Tan the Mat and uh, Vibra Vinyasa. So, I mean, yeah. Let's, uh, you know, touch on that a little bit for me, please. So I think like a common trend in my life is like, I've usually been one of the few black people doing something. I swam growing up. It's not a sport. There's a lot of black people. Thank God it's not the case. Like there's Olympic athletes, right? There's Cullen Jones who like yeah. 
was in that epic relay in 2008. You have Simone oh, awesome, Manuel yeah. who, who won a gold medal. So that's changing, right? I think I grew up in Miami, which is a multicultural city, and people don't. So it's funny. Miami, in a way, it's like DC in the sense that it's diverse, but it's not that integrated, um, right? And by choice. But thankfully, like it's. I think my experience is like growing up between worlds. So my family's Haitian. So it's funny when you're Haitian in the public view, like there's not a lot of public expressions of your identity. So for example, like if you're a Mexican American, typical representations of Latinos, I'm overgeneralizing here, oversimplifying, sure. but like you're pretty likely to find some representation of that on television. But like Haitian American, like you don't see that in popular culture very much, right? So like I'm also black, but I'm not exactly black American, but like I have the American influence and there's my family. Right. So then also like I grew up in Miami, which is all Latin American. And there's a lot of cultural similarities between like, you know, Haiti, Jamaica, Caribbean countries, a lot of cultural things there. So like you're growing up between worlds and you're out in public, like I'm associating with the other Caribbean kids that everyone knows all the Jamaican songs. Like I know those two, like right. I leave Miami, like I miss the, I miss the Latin music, even though I didn't listen to it that much at home. And so like, I have this like cultural awareness and like, I feel like I've seen the best of all these different worlds. Right. And they're all separate. And also, like, I was an athlete. So, like, when you play sports, you see that, like, it's a great way to bring people together, right? Um, and you see that, like, not only is it bringing people together, like, just, like, it's a way to increase. But it's, like, you bring people together that can build bonds across cultural boundaries, right? You can Absolutely. learn about someone else's culture. Like, kind of like the ego breaks down and everyone has this common shared experience. And then you can start to bring your differences to the table. And so I think with the yoga thing, it was, like, something that I noticed that, like, there weren't a lot of people like me who were doing it. But... I was like, I'm still going to teach. Like, no one says I'm not, I'm not allowed to do it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Granted, are there barriers? Yeah, like, if I didn't know or if I was, like, grew up somewhere different, if I didn't go to school, if I didn't meet the right person, I might have not ran into a core power just because, like, who else would have introduced me to it, right? Um, so I think for me, I've always noticed the experience of when other Black people in class or other people weren't always represented. I've always tried to represent them, right? And I mean, like, you walk into a yoga studio around 2014 when I got certified and you heard Odessa playing in every single yoga playlist. But like, I wanted to play like, I wanted to do, like teach my classes some dance hall music. So like I found stuff that I thought was appropriate. I wanted to do it to Zouk, which is really popular. It's from Guadeloupe, but it's really popular in Haiti and, and other French speaking countries. I like put that in my music. Like I like R&B, I like some of the electronic stuff. So I did it with my own taste. And so like one day I'm at the mall, I'm not sure, do you know Ahmed? Ahmed the yogi man, he's always upside down on Instagram. He's always doing a handstand. We did our no, I don't, I don't, I don't think I do. I he was an, oh, he was a Lululemon ambassador as well. He has these long dreads. Okay. We did our, our teacher training together. And it was so funny. I'm like walking in, looking corporate into core power. He was like sitting there, legs crossed. He's got his dreads. He's like just chilling out. And it's funny. Like we both came out of teacher training, but we we were at the mall one year for like yoga on the mall, and then <clears throat> he was putting hashtags on his picture. I was like, yo, you should put tandem out on there. And I'm like kind of joking, right? Mm -hmm. And He's like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. So the whole concept is there's this guy, his name is Steve Stout, and he wrote this book called Tanning of America. And it's about how hip-hop culture has kind of tanned America, literally, in the sense that it, um, like, you look at how black culture has influenced, like, marketing, TV, music, culture, all these different elements. Absolutely. And so I was like, so I kind of, like, stole that element, and I was like, let's <laughs> apply that to yoga. Um and then, so I was like, whatever. Then it was one year. It's like weird noise outside my room. I can't hear it. It's okay. Awesome. There's this like weird, there's this, so there's this one year. I was like, what do I want to do for New Year's Eve? And I was like, I don't want to do anything fancy. I want to pay a ton of money. And I was like, actually, 
I want to do yoga and then I want to do it to live music and I want to chill in my sweatpants afterwards listening to music I like. And then one of my friends like, you should test this, you should do this. So then like, I have a friend, Sabrina, she lives in Baltimore and she, um, she's into yoga as well. And we met through mutual friends and I was like, hey, remember how you were telling me I should do something with Tan the Mat? And I was like, it's just a hashtag. I don't want to do anything. And then I was like, what about this? And she's like, oh my God, that's perfect. And we did a few of these random classes where I, had a, I taught a yoga class to a live DJ um, and I was that's using cool. music as the bridge to get people into yoga, right? So people who like R&B, who like Afrobeats, who like those things, but who never would feel welcome in a yoga studio or never would go to one on their own. It was kind of like, hey, come try this thing out. Like, and so I use music as the bridge and the people who like yoga, they're gonna come because they like my class or because they like to do yoga and it's a different experience. And they get exposed to different elements of cultural music that they wouldn't have heard, right? Because I'm not playing the top 40 songs. I'm not playing like God's plan that everybody knows, right? Um, even though I do like to play Drake sometimes, but like, I mean, I mean, so like they're getting that. So like, that's where that started. And we did that a few times and it was really fun. I had another friend of my friends help me with that. And that's kind of how we got the relationship with Lululemon is that they let us use that space there. And knowing that, you know, Lululemon is a brand that's trying to grow out of that mold of, you know, just being a brand for like white, slender white women that's trying to grow. And it was like, well, here's an opportunity. Um, that's how that started. Then Vibas and Vinyasa started. So that is a little bit more, that's an elaborate story. Cause that's like me and other people, like me and other person teach and, and we have a friend who DJs. So there's myself. Right. And then my coworker, EL, who always, who also um, teaches at Core Power. And we like a lot of the same music. We listen to a lot of, like, they get throwing a lot of Latin traps. So that's Bad Bunny, Osuna, that whole crew, Cardi B when she decides to rap in Spanish. And um, she was like, what if there was like this live class that was done to like a live DJ? And I was like, we could totally do that. And so we did a class like that at Core Power with just a playlist and it was a lot of fun. And then we're like, but who would DJ for us? And I was like, wait, my friend Danny, he DJed at GW. She also went to GW. And so we all kind of like were connected, oh, wow. but didn't all hang out in college. And he was so excited. He's like, oh my God, yeah, I'm so down for it. And then so we would meet and we'd like practice. We'd make up sequences. He would play songs and we'd like do something. And then like we did the class and they were so much fun. Um, and really the goal for us was the same, right? It was like, how do we make space to like bring our cultures? Like Danny's Lebanese, Yell is Mexican, I'm Haitian. Um, and it's like, we would all see it. Like Yell would see it in classes where like everyone's doing like a Cinco de Mayo class. But it's like, one, it's not actually Mexican independence. Two, the music you're playing isn't actually Mexican. That's one of the best like things is like the Cinco de Mayo. Where it's like, oh, it's, it's Mexico's Day of Independence. No, it's not. It's not. And then like most of the music you're listening to in Spanish, like they might like it in Mexico, but it's also not even Mexican music. Not so, actually like, Mexican. Right. So it's like, okay, how do we accurately represent our cultures? in a way that like one creates space for people like us and like Danny's Lebanese, right? So like if you're Arab American, like there's not many positive representations of that. Yeah. And it's funny because there's so many hip hop songs that sample Arab music, yeah, but you wouldn't even know it like Arab, Persian, Turkish. And so I, and I learned that from him. So we're like thinking like, how can we create space for our communities while also like representing our cultures authentically in a way that invites other people in? Um, and so that was one piece. And the other element is like, how do we make this like fitness more accessible, right? Like how do we bring our communities who don't see themselves represented in fitness? How do we give them access to that experience? And then beyond that, how can we build a community and use music and fitness together to build a bridge? Um, and so that's how that started. And I think, you know, we, we, we had a lot of classes like that and we got a lot of good feedback and, you know, we try to be really intentional with everything we do from the music we choose um, to the times we, we choose to we decide to partner with people and how we partner. Um, and so really, I mean, back to how those two things came about, it's like trying to one, create space for 
communities that I don't see represented and that I feel connected to, and even others that I may not feel as connected to, then also how can I represent my culture um, and the cultures that have impacted me authentically? Yeah, I, mean, I think I think that's I think that's awesome because like the the music aspect of it, you know, it plays, you know, it's it's such a like a essential element to like any workout class really. Like it's just like you know what drives a lot of like you know class whether it's you know uh, in, in a yoga class, whether it's in a, you know, a hit class or CrossFit class, it's like, it's like, you know, the music plays such a, an important role. And, and, and then I think, you know, having it so that it's, you know, you know, those different kinds of music that you don't necessarily hear on the, on the radio, those top 40, I think that's a great way to start, like just including more people and like being like, Hey, like check this out, you know, like the Afro-Caribbean, you know, like, uh, you know, music, things like that. I think that's a, an awesome way to do it i think like the big question you know i think in like fitness now it comes down to like you know we're always like we, we realize there needs to be more like inclusivity like how do we become more inclusive right um and it's like well how do we do it you know that's that's always like how do we do it and i think music i think that's like a great way to start you know just, i mean there's it, it's i mean there's a whole bigger thing that goes into it but like that's a great way to start i think Music is an excellent way to start. And I mean, I feel like when you look at fitness and I go off about this, like there's a lot of cultural appropriation that happens in fitness, right? Like the whole badass, like started from nothing, I'm here, work hard, that whole attitude that comes from hip hop. Mm -hmm. Like people, you could spin it any type of way you want that comes from hip hop, like hands down, right? And so a lot of times you'll like, I remember when I was at Core Power, some of they play like, someone would do like, I played hip hop in my sculpt classes and my yoga classes all the time, right? And people like the music. But someone might decide, like, I'm going to do a hip-hop sculpt, and they'll do a big hoopla about it. They'll make it a special class, like, on the board, and it's, like, and it's just, like, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, yeah, celebrate it, but it's also, like, for me, it kind of reinforces this notion that it's not music, right? Like, it's not a stand, like, it's not, so here, it kind of, like, here's how I'll put it. It's almost like it reinforces the idea that, like, it's a costume you put on rather than part of the body of music you, that's there for you to consume and enjoy and respect and in the sense that i mean that is that like yeah people do like their taylor swift class but no one would be like pop music class and be like you play pop music right now like are you going to represent the genre authentically and it was like it would just be weird it's like i do this all the time and there's never been like a big hoopla about it or right. like you'll go to class there are times i'd be in classes and like like someone like and this is not to be offensive but like some white girls playing like this like ratchet little wayne lyrics and like the n-word and like all these explicit lyrics and i'm like that uh, doesn't work do you understand what he's saying and everyone's just jumping around and like being the only black guy in the room like it's really awkward when you hear that right so i feel yeah. like like it's it's music right it's it's beautiful when music spreads and people can take it across cultures right but it's also like you know think about how you're gonna play the music and also like is it appropriate to like do you need to have the song blasting the, the n-word a bunch of times Probably right not. like think about like like do you own that experience like it'd be weird like so if i, I, I saw a friend the other day so if i played a song that's like super massage if i play like too short blow the whistle too short what's his go-to word he loves to say the b word if <laughs> right. i'm a guy and i'm leading a class and it's mostly women in there they're gonna be like why is he doing that Right. So it's very different when a woman is is maybe doing something like that or if a woman is playing music and it's like that's the theme. Like I don't own that experience of being called the B word. So I shouldn't be like putting it out there, creating an environment where someone's hearing it all the time when they came to a fitness class to feel empowered, not to have someone call them something derogatory, right? And so like thinking about how we use music and how people might respond, like, does that mean don't play hip hop? Of course. But like wait a more inclusive version of this might be like maybe i don't play this music like i'll play like an edited version of this 
Like yeah. it's a simple way or like just being thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah. Being thoughtful. And also like, what is the, it's funny too. Cause sometimes like people will play like hip hop or like they'll play Spanish music or they'll play like different genres, but it's like, is there more than just the mainstream that I'm hearing about this? Like, what if there's another way that I can really honor this? Like, it's funny. Like anyone's played in it. Like I noticed this in my classes where I'll play songs that may not be as mainstream or but I'll play like R and B songs and people who know what I'm talking about, like you see when they do the head turn and they appreciate that. Right. So it's like, obviously you want it to be authentic, but like, what are ways that you can honor the culture of that music, you know, in, in a unique way. So I don't, I feel like music is an easy place, like low hanging fruit to start and just adding more intention around how we use it. Yeah. I think, I think that makes, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think, yeah, it's one of those things where we can look at, uh, you know, look, look at a class and, and, you know, we can just put songs in there cause it's got a good beat or, or, or whatever it is. And then like, you kind of forget about, Oh wait, what did they just say? And right. uh, it, I, I notice it sometimes, you know, here at uh, the CrossFit gym, you know, we'll, you know, they'll just kind of play anything sometimes. And you kind of like look around and you're like, do we need to have this song on right now? And, right. and, and you're like, ah, ah. it's like, it, it, it's funny because when I first started at my first job out of school, I worked in this, this PT clinic that was like, it had opened up in 1987. And when I started in 2015, not a single thing in this clinic had changed. <laughs> Not a single thing in this clinic had changed. And yeah. I, you know, had this little like boombox radio, played like FM radio. And I was like, all right, it's 2015. We're not doing boombox FM radio anymore. I was like, we need like, I found like speakers in the back. So I like pulled out Spotify and I would like play music, which was a bit of an interesting thing because I didn't realize that Spotify like didn't censor their music. So, yeah. you know, you'd be in this little PT clinic, like blasting you know, even like those things, even top 40 had like, you know, bad words in it. And I was like, like for me, it was like, for me, it was okay. And like, you know, the younger patients, it was okay. But then, you know, you might get someone who's 70 years old, 75 years old in there. And you're like, oh, this is, this is awkward. So right. there was, there was that. But then I like eventually convinced my boss to like get a, like a full Spotify account and like Bluetooth speaker, but it was still always like this, like kind of like back and forth, like the music. And then I came here and I was like, nice, I can play whatever music I want. We can like blast the music as loud as we want. It's great. And now like three years later, I'm like, do we need to be playing that song? Does it need to be that loud? And like, you know, I always like joke around like I'm getting older, but like maybe part of me is just getting a little bit more like aware, you know, and, and like mature and like that, like, oh, like we probably don't need to blast this song this loud and with these yeah. words. In it. And you know, it's true. Like you think about like even people like with fitness, right? Like if you're new to fitness or you're just getting started on a fitness journey and you walk into an environment and everyone already knows each other. So already you might feel a little more lonely. The workout itself is intimidating. And then like, it's like this big music and there's like, and there's nothing wrong with like, you know, like there's the cursing that you hear. That's only like, that might add to the intimidation, you know, like, and if we're trying to make this a more welcome environment, like you could still play that big thump and beat, right? right. Maybe just play the clean version, you know? Um, and then also like, it's like, are we really missing out because we can hear the F word during this hour? Right. And you walk into a gym and it's like, ass, 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 ass. And you're like, <laughs> all right, we don't need that. We don't, we don't need to yeah. go there now, you know? Um, so, so I think, yeah, it's like being mindful of like, how do we, um, you know, how, how do we make it more, a more welcoming experience for people? You know, especially like walking into, for instance, like here at CrossFit gym, where, you know, you're lifting heavy weights and, and a barbell. And I, I'll give CrossFit credit for being, you know, you know, one of those brands out there. I mean, whole lot of other issues with CrossFit, but they've done a, a really good job of encouraging people to lift heavy weights. And, and I think that's something good. But like, you know, you walk into a gym, there's a lot of music, there's barbells. It's an intimidating environment. 
Yeah. You know, um, and 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 you know, obviously they have their own issues with uh, with what's his name, the uh, the, the CEO. You yeah. know, over the last couple of months, but um, you know, like that's an intimidating environment, and so you know, if we can make it less intimidating, I feel like we should do that. No, for sure. Definitely agree with that for sure. Um, yeah. So, um, we got a couple minutes left here. Uh, I wanted to ask you a couple more, couple more questions, more on the personal side here. Okay. Um, so let's, let's start with, uh, what's the last book you read? The last book I read. Oh my gosh. Or audio The book. last Oh, I know the last book I read. So the last real book I read is Magnifico, I think is what it's called. And it's about Lorenzo de' Medici. Um, I like history a lot. And I watched the Netflix series and I was like, I want to read more about this guy. I liked it. Okay. The second season is pretty lit. Second season is the is a lit one, but I liked it. All right. I saw, uh, I, I, I see it on Netflix all the time and I'm like, should I watch this? I feel like, cause I like history stuff too. So I feel like it would probably be good. I could spot it. a corny, like historical, like, sitcom or drama like i could spot those from a mile away and that one was actually pretty good it's definitely still medici medici propaganda but i liked it all right all right um and then uh you're obviously a big miami guy yes who's your who's your miami rapper favorite miami based rapper man favorite miami based rapper it's obviously pitbull obviously pitbull it's not, but I respect Pitbull for what he's done. I have to say, man, they're all problematic. Like Trick Daddy, he's cla- he, has Daddy. Some classics, he has some classic songs, but in his older age, he's troubled. Some of the stuff he posts on Instagram, I had, I had to unfollow him. Didn't he get a? Didn't he get arrested? Trick, I'm sure at some point wasn't he, did. he touching little kids? Trick Daddy. Did I make that up? I might have made that, that up. That I did not hear about. I don't think that was the case. Let's hope not. If that I, I might have made I that up. Listen. I thought he did I something. Wonder- no, I don't think it was that. I think he, he I, I don't know. He was one at one point. You, you don't want to. Ex- I'm, I'm going to say Trina. I'll give it to Trina. Trina, okay. I'll give it to Trina. Trina is like, well, one, yeah, she's a woman. Women don't get a lot of credit in hip hop. She's also like a staple in Miami. Like every rapper is like had to work with her. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, she just like has this like whole, like, she doesn't get a lot of credit for what she's done in hip hop in terms of like trailblazing, but in terms of like being from the South. Um, and like women rappers from the South, like Trina's just a Miami classic. Like, and when you hear that like trick song with her and trick daddy, you always wait for Trina's part to come on. Even the guys know it. And they're like, twisting their voice and try to rap like her. <laughs> All right. A little clarification. He was not arrested for touching little kids, but he was arrested. It was just, it was just, uh, just cocaine and DUI. That's all. Just, just that. Oh, ju- just, right. Just that. And the mugshot, the mugshot was a particular, that was why, that was why I remember it. The mugshot was uh, a very, yeah. was not a good one. Yeah. Um, anyway. Changing subjects on that. What uh, what's the best thing that's happened to you in the last seven days? Man, um, I love this question. Actually, uh, best thing in the last seven days, I yes. And you can't say coming on this podcast. <laughs> Taken. Um, <laughs> I talked to a family member that I hadn't talked to in a very long time and we got to catch up and we hadn't spoken in a long time and like it was really good to talk to her again nice nice I like it yeah it's always so tough now like getting in touch with family members I felt like for a while there in the beginning of everything I felt like I was almost more connected with people like with all the zooms and happy hours and all this stuff I felt like I was almost more connected with people that like I have a lot of friends from up in like New York New Jersey area where I'm originally from and 
And I felt like, you know, I was talking with them more often than, than I would have, you know, had life just continued on the way it was. So, but then like, I felt like when summer hit, it was like, just threw that all out the window. And it was just like the complete 180. Like in June, everyone's like, all right, we're done with these zoom happy hours and and FaceTimes and whatnot. I I like brought my, I brought like my tripod home from work and I was like, had the tripod set up on the couch and I was like FaceTiming people every Friday night. And then I was like, all right, we're done doing this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so now are there any more, uh, plans for, uh, Vibras and Vinyasas or, uh, coming up? We just had, no, we actually just had an event, um, at La Cosecha over at Union Market. And oh, awesome. that was in celebration of the official name is Hispanic Heritage Month. I know people are rethinking the name Hispanic. How do we refer to Latin American community in a way that reflects where we are and its diversity? Um, and we had a really fun class there. We were thinking like, how do we do this during COVID? But we all got tested beforehand. We did temperature checks. We had like limited the number of people. We did a virtual option. Um, so that was really awesome. So I don't, I, we haven't regrouped on it in a while. I think we were mm-hmm. just like so stressed in planning that. Um, but, you know, I definitely think there's opportunity for us to do another one. And I think we learned some things from that one. And we realized like, okay, we can evolve this and make it happen like in this new environment in a way that's still safe and enjoyable. So I think, um, there, there may be some more to come there. So, so, so stay tuned. Nice. Nice. So if, promise, if, uh, yeah. Well, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I don't want to promise, but I mean, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if there were more things to come up in the future since we figured out, you know, a blueprint for how to do this safely. Awesome. Uh, if people want to connect with you, follow what you got going on, where can they find you? Um, I guess Instagram is probably an easy way. I also tweet, but that's like very different, not that different, but I'll talk about the stuff I'm interested in. I might nerd out on history a little bit more there, but those two places. Deep cuts only. <laughs> exactly. Some of them. What's, what's the, uh, what's the handle? Alex Montez, just like on Instagram. A-L-I-X. Yes. M-O-T-E-S. M-O-N-T-E-S. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> At Alex Montez. Cool. All right, bro. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, we'll definitely be catching up soon. Hopefully uh, I can get to one of your classes soon too. Definitely. Well, it's not that hard. Just got to click your computer and you're there. That's it. There you go. All right, man. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to Move the District today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Big League Performance and Rehab and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free, head over to BigLeaguePerformanceAndRehab.com to learn more. Thanks. And until next time, keep moving, DC.